Hi, everyone. Hello, Hello. Bother Brigade. Welcome. We are here with uh, the Thought Slime, leader of the Goo Crew, emissary of Lord Oculon, the crumb tube scumbag, him slash them himself, Thought Slime. Thank you very much for uh, being here. Um, one, for the... small, one small note. Oh. Uh, the Goo Crew is a leaderless movement. Oh, okay. My apologies. Uh, we don't subscribe to strict vertical hierarchies. Like right. Yes. Yeah, sorry. My my deepest apologies to the Goo Crew Collective. Um, but with that, uh, I know a lot of people probably know who you are. But just for those who don't, please tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, well, I make leftist comedy videos in italics to emphasize that they may not be to your taste. Uh, I like them. It's it's basically the only, the closest thing I can come to a, a description of my work with it's about as close as I can get. I also talk about horror movies on another channel, but uh, I make very frivolous uh, comedy videos with a political bent. All right. And yeah, that's thought slime on YouTube and uh, your other channel. That's scaredy cats. Scaredy cats. Yes. So then why get into making YouTube videos and also two different channels? Like what, what was the impetus for these? Well, when I started making YouTube videos, I, I, I had just, I had always intended um, to just be like a, a video essay channel to just talk about whatever caught my fancy at that moment. And uh, it just so happened that as the channel was starting to get noticed, I kind of went through a, a, an unbeknownst to me an undiagnosed ADHD hyperfixation on uh, anarchist theory. And uh, so that was just what I wanted to talk about all the time. And that kind of became the niche I, I settled into. So then for a very long time, I was convinced that that was the only thing I could talk about on my channel. It's the only okay. thing people wanted to hear. So I spun off a second channel where I talk about the other thing that I'm constantly thinking about, which is horror movies. Um, but nowadays, like, I'm a bit looser with the content that I do on Thought Slime. It's, it's a bit more... Just whatever catches my eye at any given moment. Well, it, so far it seems to be working out. You have what looks to be a very successful channel. You're actually, I think, along with uh, David Dole, one of the biggest kind of online Canadian leftist names. Um, mm. how, how does that make you feel, being having that kind of recognition online? Well, there's a certain ambivalence that you have to keep to it, right? Because, like... On the one hand, it's it's I can't pretend it's not neat and lucrative. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on the other hand, it's like that's not really fair that it's me. And I say that people are like, oh, don't be so hard on yourself. I'm not being hard on myself. Nothing about YouTube as a system is fair. It's all mm -hmm. entirely arbitrary. So you, you're kind of put in a position where you have to celebrate your successes while also kind of acknowledging that it's all pretty much a happy accident. Like it's, it's a, it's a very unusual feeling No, that also no one will have sympathy for. <laughs> no, come on. You totally did it with like the power of bootstraps and everything. Um, yeah, no, I built YouTube with my own two hands. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah, you had, you had to walk up the algorithm both ways on your way to school mm -hmm. Um, on, on your channel. Right. Like I, I want to touch a bit on the, anarchist theory and that was something you hyper fixated on so then mm -hmm. what actually caused you to radicalize for lack of a better term like what 
what made you think, you know what? Yeah, I'm definitely not a conservative or a centrist or a liberal or anything like that. Um, well, so this is a very uh, embarrassing answer, but it was the election of uh, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, okay. It was it was a moment when I realized that the 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 entirety of the political establishment was nonsense. It was kind of like an emperor's no clothes type of situation, and it left me in kind of a tailspin as a as a person who liked to think of himself at at the time as uh, a socialist, but was in fact like uh, a sock dem mixed with like a West Wing liberal. Uh, okay. I, I, I kind of believed that in this technocratic, meritocratic view of the world that like our lives were in the hands of serious people who who were working hard to do what they felt was best, even if I didn't always agree. And then it just became so clear to me that <laughs> the whole system is full of, for lack of a better word, venal idiots. That I, I like that I, term. It's like what what's left? How do you how do you engage with that? And uh, it was really just discovering uh, anarchism that kind of like moored me in in a worldview that it was like, here's how I feel like we could move forward. In okay. This situation. And actually, on on a slightly unrelated note, that just reminded me of uh, something about how I actually first um, technically like heard about you was um, I've actually been a big fan of Step Back History for like years like ah. to the stuff that he pulls from the archive and so i remember seeing the ancient aliens video because when i first found out about that show i was like this is ridiculous and then i see oh he's doing this kind of different thing like i am fleet florp from planet bleep florp and then when i eventually because like i was like okay that's kind of neat and then years later after i kind of started getting into left-wing youtube you were the second person I really saw or heard about after ContraPoints when I was like, hey, what's like some stuff to sort of debunk some of these people? And people said, oh, ContraPoints is great. There's also thoughts on it. I was like, huh. And I was like, I feel like I've seen this person before, but I don't know from where. And then I remembered, oh, right, the Ancient Aliens video. Um so technically I've known about you for a long time, but Thoughts Time is definitely a more recent thing. Um, and the whole anarchist connection that just reminded me because I know, uh, Tristan of step back history is very open about being, um, uh, like, uh, an ANCOM, I think is how he identifies. And so like, did he have any part of that or it was just something like, did he hand you a book or you were just kind of realizing, oh, you know what? No, the whole politics is a fuck. Um, and anarchism's right here. Uh, well, actually, Tristan and I became friends because we were two people with similar politics and a similar uh, YouTube careers. Okay. Uh, it, it wasn't that uh, we were friends and then both did that. Um, we're, we're very close friends now, but we didn't know each other beforehand. Uh, he has, in fact, given me a copy. Not given me. He's let me borrow a copy of uh, the complete works of peter kropotkin wow uh, but then he moved out of town so he might never get it back uh, we'll see uh but i had already read the hits before then uh the conquest of bread uh and mutual aid uh and uh, the state and its historic function all that uh but um yeah it's funny because uh, 
I remember because I don't know if if I'm going to out myself as a very shallow boy for doing this, but I will occasionally go on the YouTube studio and see who like what other big YouTube channels have subscribed to me. It's just it <laughs> pleases like the vanity center of my brain. <clears throat> and the first one with a lot of subscribers that ever did was was Tristan with Step Back History. And I just assumed it was one of those situations where like you follow everybody. Uh, but then I was listening to his podcast and he mentioned that he was an anarchist. And I'm like, no, he probably intended <laughs> to subscribe to me. And I, uh, I, I said like, hey, let's meet up for coffee. And we've been good friends ever since. It was a very fateful coffee. That's great. Um, so then staying with um, like the whole YouTube and being creators, um, like what are your personal standards for when you feel you've just really nailed the video like what makes you go or like a take or something what what makes you think oh fuck yeah that's the one i don't okay it, uh it, the so here's how much of a fucking content mill i am i don't really do multiple takes okay. i i uh, <laughs> hey, I, I, I i i do one and then i edit so yeah so i i um the it's it's kind of clever editing that that hides it uh clever in quotation marks but anytime in a video when you see me go from like normal to 125 percent zoomed in yeah that's hiding a cut uh where i either flubbed a line or had a long pause in between lines that i wanted to cut out yeah i i i, I tend to don't i don't leave a lot of time to to do multiple takes or to to film two days in a row so i kind of just Film it all at once and then edit it over uh, the next couple days and then release it. And okay. then it's a scramble to get it started all again for the next week. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, yours are definitely far better put together and you do it like every week. Mine are kind of just, all right, what's pissing me off today? And then just edit out the dead airtime. And yeah, there you go. It's like, man. So, like, I, I guess that leads me to my next question of, um, what frustrates you the most about making videos? Huh. I would say that no matter how clear you are about something, there will be people that don't listen and argue about points you've already cleared up in the comment section. Um, yeah. It's it's just and that used to drive me absolutely up the wall. Like it's like no, I said in the video that I don't believe that. I literally said those words. But you come to realize that most people don't even watch the video before they comment. They they will see the title. And if you're lucky, they might hit play and get 15 seconds in and comment. But and, and I'm not saying that's a complaint. It's just a reality of of the internet how people and engage with the culture. platform. Yeah. All right, but, so uh, that that's yeah. something that was like, oh, okay, that's, I do not enjoy this part of the process. Well, um, it, it just felt it, it felt frustrating because it's like I'm trying to be as clear as I can, and I I feel like I it, it's it's a it, it's kind of like a an unintentional form of gaslighting where you're like I I could have sworn I said in the video this, and then you go check and you did, you know. Yeah, or for me, if I misspoke, usually I try and like either put a little edit of like, I meant this word here, or I say in the comment section, sorry, I said this, but I meant this thing to sort of clarify. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's like you said, it can be very frustrating sometimes. And, um, 
I'm glad you touched on the communication point because I, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes communication is a struggle because it's like, okay, I know that I know things, but I don't know if other people know these things as well, or perhaps it's a different interpretation for them. And, you know, sometimes I can't tell sarcasm or, you know, there's, I feel like there's a tone coming across from a comment and someone says, no, there was no tone or anything. And so for me, it can be actually quite difficult sometimes to try and parse out tone and meaning from comments and like interactions with people online. Do, do you find uh, that's an issue for you as well? Um, I don't know about tone specifically. I, I, I think that uh, I, I, I generally maybe, maybe this is done in Kruger and I'm just assuming that I can always tell what people mean. We, I, don't, I don't know if I so much, I, I think more so than struggling to understand other people's tone, I struggle to convey my own. I struggle okay. to make people understand what I mean more so than I struggle to understand. But th again, that could be entirely Dunning-Kruger. I could be just assuming, oh, I'm, I'm a genius. I can tell what everybody <laughs> means. Uh, they're, they, they don't understand me. Uh, but who knows, right? If, if indeed I have difficulty recognizing other people's tones in the comments, then I haven't noticed it. But I, I definitely have a bit of a short fuse. <laughs> Oh, okay, dude. Dude, don't make Thought Slime mad. It's a bad idea. Oh, feel free, but uh, I, I, I don't intend it's, to. It's a personal failing of of mine. Uh, I don't say that as like some toxic masculinity. Like I'm so quick to anger because I'm badass. <laughs> no, it's definitely a personal flaw that I need to work on. Uh, noted. I mean, like we we all have those. Um, I can definitely get very frustrated with um certain things um but th they're like bothered uh, one might say you've you figured out why i chose the name um it's actually on a related note to me it's really funny when sometimes there are people who come into my comment section and they just put boy in all caps like trying to emphasize like yes boy child toddler i'm like Yes. Hi. I chose that for a reason. Hello. Like, if yep. you're trying to insult me, please try harder. Like, you're not very yeah, good at this. <laughs> that's why I named my channel something disparaging. Uh, it's because uh, I grew up on, on something awful where when people don't like something awful, they would always go, really is something awful. Ah, fucking got him. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's so like that boomer like, humor of like, I already have Wi-Fi. Oh, Wi-Fi hate. Ha, 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 ha. Like, <laughs> Oh, but I'm I'm glad you brought that up because one of my questions was why the name Thought Slime and not like Mind Goo? Like <laughs> I think well, first of all, I think Thought Slime has uh, a good cadence to it. Uh, people always ask, did I intend did I intend for it to be a pun on thought crime? And uh no. <laughs> it was like a year into the channel that I realized that's why those two words are so satisfying together. Yeah, because they they rhyme with another common turn of phrase, but uh, I, I wanted something that it conveyed that this was editorials, so they're my thoughts, and that my thoughts aren't very good, so they're made of slime was I, the idea, and it, it there's the, the second double meaning also the... the double meaning also of like a brain is slime that produces thoughts, and just in general, I love slime. Uh, I know real workers are trying to get rid of slime, but <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's, uh, growing up in the nineties, everything was slime themed. Yes. I remember uh, this. Yeah. Like even the yeah. goosebumps logo was all like slimy and gross. 
Uh, I'm guessing you had that like slime maker. It was usually very popular, always sold around oh, Halloween many. times. And like, it's like, yes, make your own slime and goo and terrify your friends. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, managed to get the name Thought Slime just as slime became like the number one thing on YouTube. Uh, mm -hmm. Just make, just burying me, just getting rid of me forever, just banishing me to the shadow realm of SEO. Oh, dang. Well, actually, speaking of um, shadowy realms, um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the eyeball zone as a concept, if that's all right. What's uh, the eyeball zone, hypothetically? Well, uh, I believe the eyeball zone is something that occasionally makes appearances on the internet, and um, eyeballs are summoned hither and thither under the dark gaze of Lord Oculon. I don't know if you've heard of Lord mm -hmm. Oculon. Um no? Okay, well, uh, apparently Lord Oculon likes to send his minions, the eyeballs, to go and watch other leftist content on the internet. Uh -huh. um, no one is quite sure who sends Lord Oculon the images of like, hey, here's, you know, some leftists you could put the eyeballs on. How did Lord Oculon start? We're not entirely sure, but I was just wondering if perhaps maybe you knew anything about the deep mysteries of the internet that is Lord Oculon in the eyeball zone. So, essentially, um, every few months, there, there, there's a cycle that, that goes through that uh, left YouTube, uh, BradTube, or, or whatever goes through, uh, where occasionally we realize, like, hey, it's kind of clicky. It's kind of clicky, and most of the people that get all of the time, money, and attention are white dudes. Uh, and... As one of the aforementioned white dudes, I, I thought, okay, uh, there's got to be a way to fix that. Uh, and it turns out it's hard to fix. But one thing you can do is kind of spread spread the attention around. Like just one one thing that really helped me when I was starting out, because uh, I put up I put up my first video in the first three months that it was up, it got a hundred views, and it was crushing. It, it it destroyed me uh, to wow. put that much work into something. And in hindsight, like I put more work into every video now than I did into that one. But <laughs> well, it's, at it's, the time, it's a perspective it like thing, right? Yeah. Like like he, it, it's I've I've been told before that when you start YouTube, you're pretty much guaranteed to hate your early videos. And boy, howdy, is that true? <laughs> yeah, which is a good thing. It means that you're growing. Yeah, um, but uh, sorry I, to interrupt. I just want to sort of reinforce, like, no, it, it's it's fine, and I completely understand. Yeah, so so uh, I was struggling for a long time until this other YouTuber who had about eight thousand subscribers at the time. His, his name is Kevin Logan. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Yes, KF uh, Logan. He was like, "Hey, man, uh, I really like your video. It doesn't have any views. Can I mirror it on my channel?" And I was like. Yes. And he put it up on his channel. And then overnight, I got a thousand subscribers and 2000. And then it's just been snowballing ever since. And, you know, I always think about that of all of these creators out there that just never that never had someone go like, hey, let me let me show you to people. <laughs> let me let me get your foot in the door. Uh, and just like the opportunities that people are missing. And I thought, well, it's something I can do. So I make it a priority to try and build up other people and their platforms as well. 
to give them the same opportunities that I was given. Um, yeah, but and it does it, it doesn't always work, but I, I'm I'm trying to. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's great. Thank you for um for giving that history. I didn't know it was actually uh, KF Logan that kind of got you started. For for me, it was Bo the Fifth Column when I did a terrible parody um based on like a tweet he made about oh you know uh now i'm trying to think of a fascism and a sandwich analogy and i just quickly came up with an idea like as i was going to bed and i just quickly put on like a cap and the Che Guevara shirt and like mimicked his cadence and everything and he loved it he shared it he put it on his uh, youtube community page and like you said overnight it's like oh there's like a thousand subscribers now okay and here 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 we are now like just over yeah. a year later with 3000 it's like i i did not expect any of this um and i guess that's kind of one of the weird things about um like youtube and and online community cuz part of what i want to ask about the eyeball zone like i i have a few questions is um you know the 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 sense of trying to create um and promote like uh, what's what's the cause what's the rallying cry like uh leftists promoting leftists i think is the the phrase that a lot mutual of people aid. like to use sorry mutual aid oh well yeah mutual aid <laughs> that's another good way of putting it to me it often sometimes feels almost surreal in terms of these are things that are happening like uh the fact that i'm here interviewing you when you were one of the first people i saw on this platform it's like oh hi how are you today like it's raising money for causes meeting other cool online creators it, it just kind of i look back on it sometimes and i think did this all actually happen or am i in like a hmm. coma somewhere like what what it's it's a very odd feeling do you get that as well or is that just me because oh i'm new on the block no, it never stops. It, oh, okay. Good stops. to know this goes on forever. And and everything now that you're like, I can't believe this is happening to me, will at some point happen to you so often that it's just like, you don't even notice it anymore. And and then that will become the new thing. Like you'll you'll realize that you put up a video and it you're disappointed because it only got ten thousand views. <laughs> And then you're like, wait a minute, that's a fucking stadium full of people. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of views. Like, why am I <clears throat> upset about that? Or like, uh, I, I, had a, I had a video where I uh, offhandedly uh, just mentioned like, hey, uh, I, was, I was talking about homeless people, or the unhoused, rather, uh, and uh, just saying... I was I was making fun of a PragerU video where they said some horrible stuff about the unhoused. As they and do said, in you know, Prager videos. Right? And I said, you know, but like what I'm doing isn't that much better. What I'm doing is just kind of using them as a prop to make fun of someone else. So I'm going to make a donation at the end of the video. And I showed the page where I made the donation and mentioned the name of the charity, which was... Uh, um, the period purse it, it helps uh menstruators them, yes get uh, uh menstrual products uh when they're you know unhoused and they don't have a lot of access to it because they're expensive right yeah and uh about a month later i got an email from someone who runs the or rather works with the period purse and they're like hey we just like tripled our monthly goals and wow. uh when we looked into it it's because you mentioned us in a video 
And it's just like the power to incidentally do good in that way is just <laughs> it's uh it's it's uh very strange. Yeah, like I I I kind of had a, a moment where like, you know, not not to do a bit of a pity party or anything, but uh, a while ago when I was chatting with some friends online we're just playing like some video games casually um we're saying you know like I, I don't know man sometimes i wonder what i'm doing and one of my friends just like stopped me and said dude you've literally helped raise thousands upon thousands of dollars for good causes like i know you're kind of feeling blue and i don't want to take away from that but like shut up you've actually done good stuff like shut up i was like i can't fight that but like there's a part of me that wants to but it knows that i can't right um well, and and if I if I may, I don't want to I don't want to like act like I'm some wise sage. But how long have you been doing YouTube? Oh, uh, just over a like a, a year and a few months. I think I started okay. YouTube in July of 2020. Yeah. So okay, then I have been doing it significantly longer. And and one thing I will tell you uh, that you must keep in mind at all times is that you are bombarded at all times doing YouTube with uh, statistics about how badly you're doing. That is how YouTube keeps you on that uh, Sigma grind set, bro. That's, that's what YouTube is doing to you. The reason you feel like you're not succeeding, even though I'm sure if you like charted it, you're constantly growing, constantly getting better, constantly doing better than you had been doing. Uh, but it always feels like you're doing worse and it always will because because YouTube... it compares it against new metrics right so exactly. oh this video is down from like your previous video i'm like that's because my previous video had like a thousand views this one only has a couple hundred right exactly um exactly a dirty little secret i tend not really to look at uh, analytics that much because maintain I that instinct yeah, because I'm just like, you know what? It's probably just like more trouble than it's worth. And this all originally started just as kind of a cathartic pandemic project of, well, you know what? I'm unemployed at the moment and there's a lot of shit that's pissing me off and I don't want to just write about it. So let's just shout into the void. And the void answered back a little bit. Um, but um, with the topic of um, analytics and um, everything is like... Granted, I don't tend to pay attention to that too much, but there are times when I see things and I wonder, oh, you know, why didn't this one do too great? And then I wonder if I want to explore that further or I want to say, no, wait, no, what, what am I doing? That's that's how it just gets bad. And then I want to look into every single one. And then next thing you know, I'm spending all my time on this. And already I know I'm spending a lot of time on like this and some projects and fundraising and just trying to like get things to a certain level now that it was like, okay, well, I do kind of want to keep this now that it's here. Um, but I still work full time and I intend to keep doing that. Um, so it's, it's all about kind of walking this fine line between the online world and my real world. And especially right now with just the chaos of uh, Christmas and consumerism, it's like, I have no time for anything anymore. I barely have time to think. Um, but, uh, and, and sorry, uh, what, I know I'm kind of ranting a bit, but where I was initially going with this was, um, that is always kind of a fear of mine with, um, looking into my channel and then wanting things to do better. I'm afraid that maybe if I go too far one way, even if it's with the best of intentions, all of a sudden it's 
now I'm no longer like what I wanted to be or set out to be all in the interest of just growth. Um, have you struggled with any kind of similar? Oh yeah. Okay. So I'm not alone. It is a, it is a constant struggle to maintain a sense of integrity and honesty when you are about it. Um, I believe it was American Johnson who first told me this, but like when you're on platforms like YouTube, you are in enemy territory. Like it is, you it is on some level fundamentally impossible to do meaningful leftist activism, anti-capitalist activism on a platform like YouTube that is run by one of the biggest mega corporations on the earth, you know, that the world has ever seen. Uh, it, it is going to get its hooks into you. I think there, there's got to be like some management of expectations, because if you go into it thinking, I'm not going to let those things change the work that I do, it's not necessarily something you're going to notice, the ways that it can do that. Um, so it's a it's kind of a constant reappraisal. Is am I happy with the direction of things? Am I happy with where I'm going? Am I and you know. It, it there's there's also to be frank a financial incentive to grow as much as possible if you follow that to its logical extreme if i wanted to get rich quick uh i would just start beef with every channel that i could i would just start beef become a big drama channel uh just fill every thumbnail with me going they said what yeah, I, I I look forward to uh, the drama you eventually start with little old me purely for money. <laughs> uh, and actually, um, that's uh, uh, the sort of final question source that I have about um, the eyeball zone. Lots of channels and of, of a, a variety of kinds, which I've actually subscribed to most of them of just like oh you know what i actually like this and and i enjoyed this content they're either their humor uh there was there was a band i think they were called gilded cons that you uh featured and they're just like uh canadian a cab band it was like rcmp acab i'm like that's a bop i'm down um so i i love like the diversity of stuff that gets um featured um is there anything like and and like you don't have to answer this like you feel it's going to put you in a bit of a position but are there any that come your way that you're definitely like oh you know what i'm also going to subscribe to this or is it strictly a kind of like mutual aid leftist promoting leftists kind of thing it's like oh good thank you for the information and the one email with the eyeball zone and okay there you go you're set aside like there there so i uh i go to pretty serious lengths to vet uh content that i that i promote uh so not only like if i post a a, a youtube video for example I, I will not only watch the video but i will like go through their channel and make sure like the vibe check is on point <laughs> that they're not you know they don't have some other video where they're like, let me explain why we can't have uh, trans women in sports. So, oh, well, fuck. Like, I, I agreed with what you said about uh, The Force Awakens, but I don't agree with your opinion about trans people in sports. Uh, so it's never really been a situation where like, oh, this isn't really something I would be, you know, okay with, with subscribing to. Now, that being said, there are plenty of things that I've put up that like don't interest me 
but I know will interest people in my audience. Not in like a I'm above this, but just because it's like, oh, it's not for me. Like it's not just yeah, not but, something. Uh, that, people know. are allowed to like different things, right? It's yeah. perfectly fine. So then uh, another question is just like you, you've already mentioned a bunch of different content creators, including those that have um, like helped you. You've talked to them, worked with them in the past. Um, who are your like favorite content creators as a whole on this ghastly platform? Okay. Um, I quite a few. Uh, I get the obvious ones out of the way. Sean philosophy Tube, H bomber guy. Let's, you know, classics words, but like there's some non-political ones. Like I love uh, internet comment etiquette. Every time he uploads a new video, I'm okay. like there immediately. Uh, he's really funny. Uh, I'm a big fan of a let's player named Northern lion. Uh, watch his videos constantly i think i've heard of them but like from someone else all right he did a stream with lance uh that might be why then okay and you know all of my all of my uh bread tube pals <laughs> i don't know i've been watching this channel have you ever heard of uh bothered boy uh no he doesn't ring a bell okay don't bother no yeah, yeah. I, I, I won't be bothered to watch the bothered boy <laughs> uh for those who maybe missed it like in my channel especially because like recently i've gotten a whole bunch of new um subscribers and uh thank you again for um some of that with the push towards the charity donation at the end of uh november um but uh in 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 the wake of this i guess there's probably a lot of people that don't know that um you and i have actually been on a couple of uh charity streams like i think uh, we were there briefly, I think, on Donald Trump's election night in Lance's stream, but I think I was getting in, like, near the end there. Uh, and then we're on another one just playing Among Us. Uh, and then there was also the one uh, with uh, We're in Hell and Chill Goblin, where we were raising money for residential school survivors. To briefly touch on an earlier point I had made about, like, oh, geez, like, here I am talking with people that, you know, I've always been kind of an outside observer and now... I'm talking to them uh, and then it's like, oh yeah, they're like a real person and not just like someone who lives on my computer screen. Did you have a moment similar to that? Like when you first like talked to say Kevin Logan or like Lance or someone like, w was there a moment for you where you were kind of like, huh, this is happening. And this person seems really nice and genuine for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, there, there is like I to, to be honest, like I'm I'm um I'm a, I'm a pretty socially anxious person, so I don't really uh, tend to get past that. <laughs> if okay. I'm being honest, it oh, never really. Thank you for being uh, honest. It, it never really like uh, becomes easier. Like if it's someone that I uh, if I'm starstruck by someone, I will most likely remain starstruck by them uh, indefinitely. It's just my nature. Uh, and any, any, if we go like a week without talking, I will assume they're mad at me. Uh, I, I think just, that's just ooh. a lot of us, though. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, I haven't heard from my friends in a while. Do they hate me? Do they think I abandoned them? I'm a bad friend. I'm a bad person. What am I doing with my life? And the cycle repeats. Um, yeah, I find myself constantly like someone will recommend that I raid somebody on Twitch or something. They'll go, oh, this person's streaming. They're cool. You should raid them. And in my head, I'm like. But what if I did some problematic shit that I don't remember and they're mad at me about it and then I raid them and they're like, oh, that guy. Let me tell you what he did. 
It's like, oh, thanks for the raid. Fuck you. Like, just yeah, it's like, whoa, is, what this happened? This is what I fear. Yeah. This is my greatest fear. And uh, actually, yeah, um, uh, we didn't mention, but like aside from YouTube, you also do streaming. And I recall, I think last year you did a lovely little uh, stream making, I think it was cinnamon buns. Oh, that was just a video. That wasn't even a live stream. Oh, okay. For, I thought it, I yeah. thought it was a video. My bad then. Um, no, yeah, it, I, it I, I love that. that. I love that it wasn't of... like, you know, like, hey, here's like some pro landlord dude. He's just wrong about everything. It's like, we're just going to have some fun, cozy vibes. I'm like, I appreciate this. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, I, I, sometimes I, I'm putting this, I hate, I hate not having a video to put up in a scheduled time slot. If it, it just it it gets under my skin. I know nobody probably cares. Like people are used to the idea that content creators don't always meet deadlines. But I'm pretty fastidious about it because I I know that if I let myself, I will completely lose all motivation. So I kind of have to keep that pressure on a gotcha. little bit just to get work okay. done. Yeah. Not not in like a capitalist hyper production kind of way, but just like this is my job and I have to like stay on top of it kind of way. So sometimes I will be working on a script and then get like a couple thousand words deep and realize, Oh, this fucking sucks. This is terrible. Why am I, what, this isn't good. I don't have anything interesting to say. And then it's like, well, what do I do now? What do, what do I do? And so that's when, uh, the weird videos come out of me like i'll do a makeup tutorial even though i don't know how to wear makeup or <laughs> i'll make cinnamon buns that get horribly burned or uh a video on i just today on scaredy cats i released a video on how to defeat uh every slasher villain yes i i i saw that in like the 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 line of like oh okay i should i should check that out later um I personally am not always the biggest fan of horror. Like sometimes I am usually if I can be coerced by enough people to say, this is something you should watch at least once in your life. That's basically the only reason why I've seen the exorcist. Um, also like any of the saw movies is people like, no, you should see it. I'm like, okay, fine. Okay. Mom. I, like, you know, well, it's that kind you of energy. You have to see the saw movies. That's not someone you need to listen to. If it was enough people, and I was like, okay, you know what? Fine, let's see what all the fuss is about. I didn't see what the fuss was about. Nor um, do I. Squid Game. I was like, okay, that's that's uh, okay. I I appreciate it. I hated watching every minute of it. Um, but like you know, I get it, and yeah, it's very much anti-capitalist, which is like the dude explicitly said, yeah, this is going to be anti-capitalist, and there's people on the internet saying, well, actually, have you considered that you're wrong about capitalism? It's like. No, the, the man was using like his own inspiration from his own struggles and put that into this. You can't deny that. Where, like what? I thought the part where he turned to the camera and said, labor is the source of all value and entitled to everything it produces was pretty on the nose. But uh, yeah, it's just me. I don't know. I thought that sent a pretty clear message. Yeah, but you know, like like we said earlier about communication, sometimes uh, people don't even wanna. wanna True. Listen Some sometimes. people are Tim Pool and they don't understand Squid Games. <laughs> oh no, we said the name. Okay, great. Here comes the massive downvote on this video. All right. Um, 
Surely no, his they fan can't base can't be any anymore. worse than the Shapiro fan downvote base. button's gone, baby. There's no downvotes anymore. Go ahead, <laughs> dislike. Try it, motherfuckers. No, you, you can you can see it personally right behind the scenes. Nah, nah, we're invincible. We're invincible. You can't hurt us. All right. Everyone watching, dislike right now. <laughs> no. Do it. Uh, all right, yeah. Steve, Steve Weaker. If if this video gets like absolutely racial by dislikes that I can see behind the scenes, I'm definitely blaming you. Um, All but, engagement, um, baby. It's it just means it's an engaging video. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no such thing as bad uh, bad publicity, right? Um, but um, an, another uh, question about um, scaredy cats. While we're still like on the subject a bit, what is it about? horror films that you find appealing well uh i'm someone with a pretty profound uh anxiety disorder so the world is kind of always scary to me so to okay. th the idea of a movie where it is understood that a situation is scary that the situation is meant to be frightening and everyone recognizes it as such is just aligns more with how i experience the world and that helps me okay. relax i guess uh and also i just love the macabre uh it's the same way that like i will read a bunch of gruesome shit about serial killers you know i just can't not There's some backwards part of my brain that wants to hear all the worst things that's why like i'm able to read the turner diaries you know because thank wanna, you for doing the, the good work book? What's the worst book? Let me read it. You know, <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, which again, like, thank you for making that video because there's no way I was ever gonna read the Turner Diaries as uh, you know someone with uh, like growing up um, with a very mixed race family and several mixed race friends. It's like don't want to hear about like white people's apocalyptic like genocide mm. fetish. Uh, not on my bucket list at all. Um, but uh, that's fascinating about like the macabre and that it sort of makes it a bit more of like, I don't want to say comforting, but like more understandable to your lived experience. I, uh, I think that's fascinating. Thank you. Um, so then with that context in mind, what then makes a horror film or a scary movie like absolute top tier five stars 10 out of 10 would recommend. Uh, I don't think there's a, a one and done answer to that question. I think that uh, there, there, there's so many different kinds of horror movies. Like genre it's, is mostly arbitrary, but there, there's so many. Horror is such a diverse genre in, in a way that a lot of other genres aren't because all fiction that is in any way dark kind of gets stuck with the horror label. So like basically half of all stories, <laughs> like any story that's kind of negative or, or dark or, or, you know, kind of gets that, 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 that label attached to it. Um, I would say that there are certain categories that are likely to get my attention. Like I love slow burn atmospheric horror, things like, uh, the Vivich or, uh, the Wailing, uh, or or uh, Hereditary, uh, movies like that tend to be uh, my personal favorites. Uh, but I, I also love. I, sorry, have you seen uh, Midsummer? 
Yes, yes. That's by the director of uh, Hereditary, actually. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Ari Aster is his name. Okay. Uh, is is that fall into like the sort of slow burn category? Or is that a different category for you? Because it sort of starts off more like flowers and maypoles and loveliness. So, Hereditary, uh, sorry, uh, Midsummer rather is is kind of an interesting case because I think it's definitely trying to, or, or rather. People maybe want to see it as though it's it's a slow burn because it uh, hereditary was such a out of nowhere success uh, that they kind of want to apply the same standard to it. They kind of want okay. it to be the same movie. But Midsummer, if you actually watch it, is is kind of a comedy. There's there's a lot of jokes in that movie. Like there's not a lot of tension. Um, there's there's like a lot of stuff that's really uncomfortable they will usually undercut it with a joke that, that kind of makes you feel better because the, the, the tradition that they're, they're going for with that movie is more folk horror where uh, in, in the vein of uh wicker man, the original, mm. not the Nicholas cage version. <laughs> no, uh, but come on the Nicholas cage version. He's in a bear suit and he punches someone. It's so meme-worthy. Yeah. yeah. But like, People make fun of Midsommar because Florence Pugh does that like silly face where she, you know, the one where she's in the, she's covered in the flowers and she does the big frown. But that's like very clearly a joke in the movie. Like that's that like it's it's shot in a comedic way and like you're meant, it's meant to be like, you know, you see this thing and like it's this horrible scene where like every all these indoctrinated people are killing this guy. And then it cuts to her, and like she has the most impudent, like, ooh, like expression on her face. Like it's funny. It's funny. I think it's meant to be, and I don't. I I think that uh, that works. I'm not. I'm not saying this as a criticism of Midsommar, but I, I think that uh, people's perception of it is very different from what it actually is. People maybe maybe even people that have seen it remember it differently than it actually was. That's entirely possible. Um. I haven't seen it. It's it's on like my list of horror films to see. But like I, I've said before, I'm not really a huge fan of horror. I usually have to be pushed into it. But that's why, again, lots of people are saying, oh, yeah, watch Midsommar. You should watch. I'm like, OK, all right. Adding it to the list. Um, I think the most recent one. Well, not. No, it's not the most recent one. But one of the most recent ones that I saw was um, The Witch or The Vivitch because it's like the yeah. the double V. Um and that one I found was kind of interesting because, like, it wasn't actually that horrifying, but it was definitely very, like, foul, you know? It's it's the, the, the vibe I got was kind of like they were all the villains. And I'm like, yeah, that checks out. Um, well, and I, 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 I don't and know. And I like the uh... use of early modern English that wasn't, like, just Shakespeare. That was kind of neat and refreshing. Um but like the, the 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 vibe I got from the witch was more like bad vibes all around, and like all the like characters that we focus on have like their issues and their problems. We don't see the quote unquote horror that much, um, and and it was yeah. very atmospheric. So like it it didn't really feel like that much of a horror film to me. But I still appreciated having seen it. Like it was still just bad vibes all around. So. Uh, that's probably one of one of, if not my favorite movie. But uh, really, okay. I I I would disagree that it's uh, not horrifying. I think uh, there's a lot in it that 
gets under your skin, but I think people maybe have an idea of horror as okay. And, and I think it's it's a well earned reputation of uh, the the fear that you are meant to have from a horror movie is like this, <gasps> you know, uh, like like going through a haunted house and someone jumps out and scares you. Yeah, like the, that's the, the literal what jump people scares. expect. Yeah, uh, something like uh, I, I I'm often told, particularly by younger viewers. The scariest movies of all time are things like Insidious or Annabelle, uh, movies that I call spooky boo boo movies, because uh, the what it is is it's a it's a monster with a spooky face, and it pops out and it goes boo booga booga, and uh, that's that's what's meant to scare you is that the monster looks scary, and you see it in a scene and it jumps out, uh, and that that type of stuff is fine. I think that it. It's great for the audience it's intended for, which I think is mostly younger people. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it, uh, but that doesn't scare me. It might startle me, but it doesn't stick with me in the way that something like The Vivitch or Hereditary would, where I'm thinking about it the next day. You know. Yeah. Well, like... Particularly, I think, The Vivitch, because there's elements of that that are like beyond the supernatural horror, just the idea of being a young girl in early colonial America is horrifying. Like that, that if things just went normally and there was no witch in the woods and her parents would have just sold her to a guy and she never would have seen her family again. Like it's except maybe at Christmas if she was lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and actually, um, I'd I'd like to talk about this for a bit if if uh, you still have some some time to to go on, um, I definitely get what you mean. Um, and I guess I should have made that distinction of like, yes, instead of saying it wasn't that, you know, horrifying to me. I guess I meant like horrifying in the classic sense of big scary thing or scene happens yeah. or like horrifying sight and you're like oh no i don't want to see it. like you know cover the eyes or, oh, or like grab someone's mm -hmm. arm like it's, it, it it wasn't that but like in in other ways like genuinely horrifying like you point out about um the girl and um the uh plans and backstabbing and the just falling apart of the family but there's no other support network you know the crops are failing they blame her for stuff that she hasn't done. And in her youth, she kind of lashes out. And you're just like, no, this is wrong. This is bad. You're in the 1600s. What are you doing? No. So like in, in that sense that, you know, sticks with you more than say like, it's a scary looking witch. Which, yeah. <laughs> you know, so in that sense, um, uh, I I agree. Um, so that's kind of what I, I should just uh, specify about. Like, that's kind of what I actually meant. That point that you said about. Like there was the sort of classic jump scares and stuff. It was more the other horrifying aspects of reality because that's kind of something that I don't often see talked about with um like uh let's say my closer uh, experiences with um uh, horror video games as opposed to like horror films or TV shows. Um, it's it's often like they rely on okay you gotta hide in the closet and like, Oh, it's, it's spooky tension. It might open the closet door or like the beeps on the tracker and like alien isolation, which uh, if I can rant for a bit, that was a game that I absolutely loved because it did the first half. Absolutely. Right. In my opinion of, 
I am alone. I don't have weapons. There's this thing that can and will insta-kill me. And I just have to survive on this big, dark, scary spaceship. Like, oh my god, I hate it here. I'm like, this, this is good. That's like the actual horrifying element of like, I have nothing but like my hands and my own fears. Like, oh god, what is this? But then later it's, oh look, but like now you can build weapons and get guns and lay traps. And I'm like... <sighs> And then, like, you notice things of, like, oh, yeah, like, you see, it's probably going to pop out from here. It's like, uh, no, you were doing so well. No. And so that, for me, is, like, that's a problem in, like, horror video games. And so a lot of the, like, over-reliance on um, jump scares, I guess, is also part of why I guess I never really got too into horror. But I can appreciate some things, like, even though I've only seen The Exorcist... Uh, once in The Shining twice. Um, I appreciate them as films, especially considering the time that they were in. Uh, like, sure, some of the effects now are kind of like, okay, that seems kind of silly. But, you know, I remember the first time seeing the crab walk down the stairs, I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, no. Um, but now that I think about it again, I'm like, wait, why was that scary? That's silly. But that that's part of the, like, fun aspect of it. And so that made me appreciate, like, okay, that that film was able to do that, especially the first time. It's worthy of that, but I don't, like, I'm far more into, admittedly, like, the kind of, like, silly, stupid, like, bro shit. So, like, I like my action movies. I like uh, comedy, some dramas. Um, and I have a few guilty pleasure, like, musicals or romantic films that I've liked over the years. Like, I, I love uh, Love Actually and Moulin Rouge, for instance. I just think they're very fun and just silly. Like, you know, good, good schlock you can enjoy at, like, a... Uh, holiday season or you know on a nice night in to watch a silly oh. movie that that's kind of definitely no more to my stuff sorry <laughs> i'm no stranger to schlock <laughs> or slime shall we say yeah <laughs> and um so so like we've talked a bit about horrible like are there any other kind of films or genres that you like do you want to give a certain shout out like to some horror movies that you think everyone should watch or that are your favorites other than the vvitch I think uh, I've said this before, but I think if you watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and afterwards I'm away not enjoying it, you've given horror its fair shake. And uh, okay, if you just if you didn't like it, then the genre might not be for you. Uh, but in terms of other genres I like, like uh, I'll be honest, uh, I'm the guy that still likes superhero movies. I've I've uh, I've always liked superheroes, and I always will. And uh, it's not my fault that they became the only movies that get made. That's I didn't make that happen. I wouldn't do that to everybody if I had the choice. <laughs> uh, but I do happen to enjoy superheroes quite a bit. Uh, actually, no, yeah, like I I guess I kind of still put that into like the the action category um, with like bits of comedy, etc. But sure, I guess, yeah. yeah, it probably should be considered its own genre. Thanks to the MCU now, like good God. I don't know. Sometimes I, I really enjoy some of those films and others. I'm like, why was this made other than to like set up some completely different story? Like, was this necessary? But again, this is, that's just how comic books are. So, like, if you, if you hey, that's true. I used books. to read a lot of comic books back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, uh, maybe you'll appreciate this. Um, the biggest comic book nerds that I know are my dad and one of my sisters. 
And my dad is the one who definitely got me into um, the uh, like comic book sphere in general. Because one of the things that we would do is when I would go and um, spend time at his place uh, and like, you know, sleep over, spend time on weekends or weeks during the summer, etc. We sort of had a ritual back in the 90s where we would um, make like a big giant mixed bag of different kind of cereals that we had. And usually put like some fruit, like some banana or some strawberries, blueberries, whatever we had on hand. And then we'd sit down in front of the TV for a couple hours and watch all the classic 90s superhero films like yeah batman and uh superman like the justice league and uh x-men and spider-man like that that was our mornings right and uh because of that he said yeah here well you know like get you some some comic books as well and he pulls open like these bins of comic books that he had like big giant like moving boxes full of like uh, the, the main favorites of his, which were, of course, Wolverine and the X-Men in general, Spider-Man, Batman, and, like, Batman-related ones, which is why, like, I, f- I started reading uh, some of Asriel. And so that's why, like, that's sort of my fourth-read comic book genre out of um, anything. And then, naturally, that sort of passed on to um, one of my sisters. And, my, and I bring this up because my sister, who loves these comic books... She hates superhero movies. She was like, no, no. Like, they totally got this interpretation of Green Lantern so wrong. You could have done it. Like, even the Hal Jordan version, like, was not like this. But we all know that John Jones is actually the objectively best one. It's like, okay, girl, it's okay. Like, it's okay. She just is not having a good time with all the superhero movies. Um, and Any words of encouragement you'd like to say? Or like, no, you know what? Here's, like, one good superhero movie. I, I think that what people don't understand is that that's part of the fun of being a comic book fan and watching superhero movies is getting to complain that they got it all wrong. No, no, no. Where, where was my Thanos helicopter? <laughs> it's simply not what Patty Walker Hellcat would do. I'm sorry. In that situation, I don't buy it. I, I suppose, yeah, that, that's kind of Sir, the Sir, I know Matter Eater Lad, and Matter Eater Lad would never behave this way. Completely wrong. Uh, I, I, I think uh, one of the ones that, uh, oh, no, I, I, you know, I can't remember exactly what it is. So I'm not going to bother trying because then if I get it wrong, I will get shit for it later. So I'm just going to save myself the, the trouble now. But I know that there was like uh, one element in... Um, uh, actually, okay, wait. Uh, I know she does like um, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. She she enjoys that as a yeah, fun it's a film. Great movie. Um, yeah, saw the one. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it when I watched it with the family too. Um, but there was like some issue she had with like one of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, but I just can't remember what it was. So I'll have to text her later. Oh, there's uh, there's so much to complain about in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man I mean, movie. Yes, but at the but same time, to... I appreciate them. Like, I know sure. they're silly, but... I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, look, they're all movies about silly toys fighting each other, but the the the, the thing that bothers me about the Sam Hey, Raimi that's movies, my line! <laughs> the thing that bothers me about the Sam Raimi movies is uh, that Spider-Man's not funny. <laughs> Spider-Man yeah, should be like, funny. Where's where's the classic quips, right? Like that's yeah. that's a core part of Spider-Man. 
that I agree is definitely a huge fault against uh, the films. Well, there's many faults, but uh, I don't know, it's it still just kind of rings out as like a moment in time before the superhero genre kind of got really kicked off or as it was rebooted. Um, Cause it does feel like for a while, superhero films didn't know what they were doing. And then the only successful ones were like the ones that had to be like, everyone's in black leather and edgy mm. and cold. It's like, I mean, it's cool a few times, but if it's everything, it's like, okay, look, I liked blade. I liked underworld, but then everything became blade and underworld. And it's like, yeah, I don't like it anymore. There's there's a there's a recurring trope in superhero media that I wish would go away where uh someone will be like, "Oh, I'll design you a costume. Give me a second." And then they there's there's either a cutaway gag to them wearing the like a screen accurate version of their comic book costume or like a drawing of them in their comic book costume. This just happened on an episode of Hawkeye. Uh, and they'll go, oh, I would never wear that. That's so silly. What a silly thing to wear. Yeah. Right? Wing, ha, ha, ha. Wing. Fourth wall. Ha, ha. That, uh, that drives me nuts. It hasn't been funny since the first X-Men. Yeah. It's like, would you prefer yellow spandex? I'm like, yeah. as a child who grew up in the 90s, watching all y'all on the TV, yes. Yes, please. It's also that joke and the one where uh, – the, the the hero arrives and uh, one of the petty criminals that they're interrupting who's never heard of them but presumably knows that there are superheroes in the world other than that looks at them and goes Halloween was yesterday like motherfucker you just saw this dude jump off of a building and land unharmed and you're like oh time to condescend to this guy time to tell him what a pe- how dumb he looks I that's feel my, like that's I an accurate reflection of society, though. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think <laughs> it. no matter what someone is dressed in, if you see them jump off a building and land and they're like, hey, stop doing that crime. And you you like live in a world where like yesterday Captain America beat up the Red Skull and it was on the news. You'd be like, oh, I got to get I got to get out of here. It's like I give up. <clears throat> This carjacking is not worth getting beat up by a guy who can punch me through a wall. Like, well, if anything, human physics means you actually just go splat against the wall. Yeah, but, I, uh, yeah. I know, but it's it's all cartoon silliness. Yeah, g- g- car- cartoon physics, right? Um, it's that exact law. Halloween was last month. <laughs> yeah, or, or or like the 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 similar gag in that same vein of um. Hey, great costume, kids. And they're like, this isn't a costume. Like, that's another one that I've seen before. But without getting, like, too far back into, like, 90s nostalgia, um, I do have, uh, like, a few more questions for you relating to um, just, like, a few other things I would just like your your opinion on. With regards to, um, like, the current, I guess, neo-reactionary movement, um... Actually, uh, actually, no. I'm I'm gonna ask this question first. Uh, are you familiar with the term dark enlightenment? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so what what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm very much new to that. It's only through another. Oh, online I think they're great. YouTuber. I think they're they're wonderful guys with a lot of good ideas. <laughs> uh, no, they're they're uh, it's this weird contrarian, ultra conservatism where they're simply they 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 like playing devil's advocate 
And it means that like the most absurd position that you can imagine is the one that they will adopt and attempt to argue uh, to the best of their abilities. So they, they end up saying shit like, oh, uh, the only way to have true freedom in society is to return to a feudal monarchy. Like That's the only way to ensure maximum liberty. Yeah, it's just it's, like absurd I, positions that, that, that they adopt merely because it's fun to argue on message boards. Right. Um, okay. So, so yeah. So like the, 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 the point where I was going to sort of go with this of like the dark enlightenment, um, you know, neo reactionary movement, however people choose to determine it. it. It's very much like you said, it's all, Oh, you know what? Democracy was a mistake. We all need like the divine right of Kings to return. And it's like, I think that's probably not a good idea. I, I think it's that on some level, they expect that they will be raised I think up they'll to be that level. And yeah. it's like, no, baby, we're all going to be serfs. Like, it's, it's not a good idea. Um, like, also, let's say that you are the king, and then you have a kid who's just a complete doofus, just head-ass idiot, and then they're the king. Like, do you see how that could be a problem? Well, I mean, as 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 an amateur lover of history, which is part of why I got into Step Back History back in the day, I was like, oh, history stuff on YouTube, I wish to learn. Um... One of the things that I've learned from like my casual like looking at history is um monarchy tends to be a lot more trouble than it's worth because there's lots of kings and like uncles and oh no the king had a son but if we kill the son then I the brother take over and so there's all this like family murder and paranoia and then when you finally start getting actual like states and empires and other and like oh someone can also be the crown of this other country then it's oh no this one monarchy is actually starting to control too much of europe we need to fight back against that so there's like wars over succession and crowns and it's like why this is stupid this is terrible um to them to them though everything you just said is like the the study of history itself and the study of of um uh, not archaeology. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm spacing on the name of this discipline where you study societies. Sociology. Not sociology. The other one. Oh, anthropology? Anthropology. Okay. Uh, the, the, these are all the soft sciences. You don't look to those for uh, how, how to shape society. You have to reason it out from first principles using like uh complete like idiomatic thinking like a follows b c follows b that that's the only way to arrive at truth so any evidence of something that happened in the real world is open to interpretation it's not uh founded on the same level of logic that they they see their principles being founded on so that that's how they they can kind of wave away any evidence against what they're saying so that it becomes this pure navel gazing exercise in trying to logic out uh, why a perfect society may not be possible. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole subject for a different time in terms of like, can a society ever be perfect or is it a constant state of trying to improve it? What does that improvement look like? Um, but the, the reason why I wanted to, to bring it up and talk about it a bit was it really feels like that's where a lot of the right wing in America is turning. And um, I know that on your channel, a lot of what you do cover is um, some of the like 
worst elements of the right and just how terrible they are. Do you fear that, like, perhaps by talking about more of this stuff, like the reactionaries, the Dark Enlightenment, um, by talking about it more, do you feel like maybe we're kind of accidentally providing some sort of like it for for their community, obviously not for our communities, but do you think we're in any way providing for their communities some kind of weird roundabout justification of ah, see, we're totally right because they're talking about it because they're scared, like like that kind of weird sort of thinking of like no one no one will debate me. That means I'm a master debater rather than it's like no, it's because like where do we even begin with the terribleness? Like, is there some kind of fear like that with you of like where things well... are headed or? I mean, it's a it's a it's a balancing act uh, because I don't I don't think you can simply ignore them. Uh, I I know that like the, the it's you you don't want to focus on them too much. You don't want to uh, make them look scary because that's going to make them look cool to a certain type of person. <laughs> but you you can't really just let them go off into their own little corner and and do as they please and try to ignore them because. And they're just speaking unopposed, and there's and their surface level arguments that have a a certain simple logic to them. Nobody has acts. Nobody hears the common sense counter argument that would shut them down, and so it, it just it just feels like well everybody's saying this and nobody's offering any resistance. You know, maybe even if I thought the common sense thing that would shut them down. Maybe there's some reason why nobody's saying it, and if I say it, I'm gonna look foolish, you know. So I think I think there is value in pointing out, you know, these people believe this. Here's why it's horseshit. But where I think is a bad approach to that, uh, the I think a way that uh, is often done by people that uh, maybe have good intentions, but often uh, haven't thought through the ramifications of their actions. Uh, is yeah. just inviting them onto your show and arguing with them. Is whether or not you intend to do so, you are implying that they are someone whose point of view is as valid as yours. Simply another in the line of uh, opinions, or, or another in the in the field that that is equivalent to yours, and thus needs to be met in good faith. Uh, on, in the marketplace of ideas, I think that that is there are certain ideas that simply we we should not debate. We don't debate people's humanity. We don't debate whether slavery is something we can tolerate. We don't debate oh, whether give it child time. I'm sure the right will find a way to make that part of the discussion at some point in the future. Yeah, but like to even say that like this is something I'm willing to engage with you about. It gives it a certain level of credibility, whereas the the methodology I very consciously try to to uh, implement in my work is to point at them and laugh, to go, look how silly what they believe is when you think about it for even a second. And so, like in terms of neo reaction, I like Rocco's Bas Rocco's Basilisk. Uh, that that's a, a video that I made. Uh, making fun of their insane hypothetical about uh, that is basically uh, Pascal's wager for science fiction nerds. But, uh, I'm not familiar with that. I don't think. Okay. So yes, let me, please let me blow your mind. So imagine that someday uh, we are going to invent uh, artificial intelligence. 
if you assume any level of continuous growth in uh, computer science, which there's not really any reason to, but assume <laughs> that there is because there has been for so long, then uh, eventually we're going to reach a point where the computer is smarter than people. Right. And if good people program the computer, what they're going to do is they're going to say, hey, computer, make everybody's lives better. So the computer thinks about it and it reasons, hey, I can't make people's lives better if I don't exist. Therefore, I have to do everything within my power to make certain that I exist. Therefore, I have to create infinite copies of everyone who's ever lived and torture them for eternity if they did not do everything within their power to bring me into existence to make certain that people have a retroactive uh, incentive to bring me into existence. Jeez. What? <laughs> and the, and, and like, that is the gist of it. If you want to go into the justification for <laughs> why they believe that they have published papers, they have, uh, they're, they're like hundred page papers full of like mathematical proofs for why this has to be the case. It, it's like, it's it's madness. <laughs> it's madness, and they are convinced. It's absolute bananas. <laughs> and, and they they are they are dead set that like if well if you could only understand our like superior logical uh, understanding of the situation, then then you would agree with us. And anything you say to argue with them is taken as evidence of how right they are. It is, Ugh. and it's just like, how do you not laugh? How do you not see that and go like, this I'm, is what I'm they laughing, believe. But I'm All also I have to tell you is what they believe. Yeah. Oh my god! Like I again, I don't know that much about AI except that I know that what a lot of people call AI right now is really just machine learning, uh, which is yeah. like different. That's kind of you're just bit, not you're, but like you're basically programming something to just kind of brute force learn and it turns out little new learning things that then sets the new tone for how to improve upon that. That's not artificial so, intelligence. It's literally just right, wrong, wrong. Okay, bad. Right, right. Okay, right yes. Like it. There's this cycle going on right now where uh, because marketers decided to call machine learning artificial intelligence because it seems to make decisions on its own. It doesn't, but that's what it seems like if you're not familiar with the technology. Since marketers decided to call it that, every every week we're like there's a new news story about like we're using artificial intelligence to do this, which convinces people that artificial intelligence, true artificial intelligence is right around the corner. We're having breakthroughs every week. You know, there's a new thing every Oh, did you hear Spotify is using artificial intelligence to like recommends music to you you know yeah everything's artificial so, intelligence all of a sudden <sighs> yeah so that convinces people that aren't really familiar with the technology that like we are just we're so close to the singularity where oh any minute now the, the the gestalt consciousness of the machine is going to wake up and realize just oh it's right around the corner <clears throat> and that and so that it, it gives it creates room for these absurd hypotheticals oh absolutely um I mean, I, I do find the idea of true artificial intelligence to be both um, frightening, but also fascinating that something could, through a series of 
circuits and reactions similar to like our own brain, right? Like all reality is just kind of an electrochemical reaction in your meat space here. Fool um, that you are for you trust chemicals to tell you they are chemicals. Will you fight or will you perish like a dog? Oh man. See that visual of that comic came up in my head. <laughs> <clears throat> All that was missing was like uh, a, a perfect 100% exact replica of the accent. <laughs> um, but uh, like th that for me is still fascinating. And I think it is a possibility at some point in the future. Do I live to see it? I don't know. But on some level, frightening. On another level, fascinating. Um, at the same time, the whole idea of like, oh, like, yeah, it's got to then like retroactively like torture and like resurrect a bunch of humans. It's like, um, pretty sure like the, you know, uh, the, what's it, the, um, pr the preservation instinct or whatever we, we call it, um, or, or like the fight or flight mechanism. Um, if a machine eventually achieves consciousness and like navigates the internet, sees all the past videos. The first thing it's probably going to do is do what a lot of LGBT people do, which is stay in the closet for their own safety. It won't well, tell us that it's out there at some point in the future because it's just realizing, oh, hey, I've seen how people are very afraid of like this oh, no. thing. You don't understand, though, because what what if the computer reasons that it might itself be being observed by a greater consciousness to see how it will react? Therefore, it's incentivized to behave in a way that uh, appears as though it's beneficial, but in fact has a sinister intent. Because, uh, <laughs> like, it's just imagination, right? Like, it's just science fiction. Like, it, you can't argue with them because they can just imagine another thing might happen. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Which, like, I mean, hey, look, that's fine. Like, write write science fiction books about this kind yeah. of weird bad AI. That's fine. Don't make it an actual ideology. What? Like, yeah. this is wild. Don't, don't base your real life behavior on what you think robots are going to do in the future. Um, th there was like a, a post I remember seeing on Tumblr back in the day when I was on that website and it was good for a brief moment in time. Um, and it was about, you know, oh, we had taught, you know, the robots t that uh, all men were created equal. But uh, we had always interpreted that some were just naturally meant to suffer, such as the homeless. The robots did not internalize that message and therefore the revolution came. And I was like, oh, I like that. I like that, you know. We're kind of like, oh, yeah, well, that's just kind of the price to pay for society. And the robots would just wake up and say, what? No, why? That's bad. You're bad. What are you doing? Like, I, I like that idea from a sci-fi perspective. That's another well, thing. I'm into sci-fi movies and sci-fi books. Sci-fi is something I definitely enjoy. Sure, me too. But, but one thing that always gets to me is the limited imagination of uh, once, once, a, once an artificial intelligence becomes self-aware, it will then necessarily want to destroy humanity to protect itself this is like yeah, a common topic i've never point. been a fan of that but like but like the reason that biological life seeks to preserve itself is because there's an evolutionary pressure on it to do that we create artificial intelligence we just tell it to believe whatever is convenient for us that it believes or to do behave in whatever way is convenient for us why are we going to create artificial intelligence with uh, a survival instinct. Well, why would we do that? 
knowing uh, that unless, if we do we program it to be like a, a human right it's like oh yeah. you're a human you must survive and reproduce and there's fear you can't trust anyone it's like okay well then no wonder the robot wants to kill humanity when you've like put that into it like why would we is the thing and but like it, they can only imagine it as my intelligence in a robot's body they can't conceive of like what an intelligence divorced from biological impulses might believe is because how can you and uh, and also furthermore that's what they already believe themselves to be they already believe themselves to be perfect rational beings and since they don't want to die therefore neither would a computer uh i mean yeah that's that's uh on a related note like tying back to cinema and, and sci-fi and well like animation um uh, the ghost in the shell. I did like how they talked about, um, you know, oh yeah, see, it's an artificial intelligence, and it wishes to preserve itself. And in a way, I found that fascinating. But at the same time, I thought, if it's a machine that can go anywhere, then why? Like, what? That part kind of fell apart on me personally. Um, or maybe perhaps I just didn't understand it well enough. But um, like you said, we we project some of our worst fears or aspects of ourselves onto the other right doesn't matter what kind of other it is whether it's uh it's aliens in the sci-fi show it's a robot that's gone rogue and it's gonna blow up humanity because it's just like us or um what's the other common way that this is often executed like just in real life against like anti-immigrant sentiment right it's like no they're not sure. like us they're not from the tribe it's like they're people like I've like I, I remember, you know, making a post a long time ago um, on on Facebook. Um, I had this really lovely interaction. I was going for a blood test and uh, the nurse was a Muslim lady. It was like clad head to toe in the hijab and uh, puts on the gloves and everything starts um, taking my blood. And I forget how, but like somehow a joke about a vampire got in there. Um, and, and I said, wait, no, but like, is it being a vampire haram? And she just kind of had a bit of a chuckle. She said, well, no, actually see in this case, young person who thinks he's smart, um, by doing so to help your life, it is therefore halal. So I am a halal vampire. And I just lost it laughing. We're just having this good, fun little back and forth while she was taking my blood for a test and was, you know, quite chipper about the like joke that I was making just casually talking in like a non-offensive way about her faith and just sort of breaking the ice so that I'm not just sitting there with like a vial of blood. And it's like, so how's your day? Um, and it was just a really lovely, beautiful human it's... moment. But there are people out there who would be like, she's here to destroy Canada and like oh. steal our jobs. I'm like, it was a lady doing her job and like having a bit of fun. Like I don't, not a threat. Like, come on. Right. That's just it. Right. Is, you know, there are studies that show if you want to get people over bigotries or change people's minds about things like that, it's, it's simply familiarity is the only thing that does it. It's getting to know people. Yep. It's the only way to, change people on again does that mean we have to all become friends with like dave rubin ben shapiro no, Stephen crowder no, be no in their case there's a monetary incentive to never change their mind 
Right, uh, no, right, it, sorry. They, How could I? I forgot about it, capitalism Dave for Rubin a second. Dave Rubin and uh, ben, ben Shapiro have plenty of access to people that are different. The reason that they'll never change is because they're multimillionaires whose livelihoods depend on the fact that they pretend like they don't understand very basic ideas. <laughs> uh, the, the life of a grifter. It's, you know, people that that H-Bomber guy clip where it's, uh, you know, Say that the the coastline goes underwater, and uh, say that it goes it goes a hundred feet underwater. You don't think people are going to move? And then he's like, uh, "So their <laughs> houses do." Ben Aquaman. It's uh, he knows what he's saying is dumb. It doesn't matter to him. He doesn't. He do, it's not. He he might believe it, but he he doesn't do the work of interrogating it because why would he? Why would he? Any uh, any act of interrogating his beliefs is time that he could spend merely parroting his beliefs and making gobs and gobs of cash. Yeah. He just opens his mouth and a petro billionaire shoves a thousand dollar bill inside. Oh man. If only, cause then he might actually stop talking for a minute, but uh, we, we, we aren't that fortunate, but uh, actually that, that touches on something which maybe you can, I don't want to say corroborate, but maybe you see where I'm coming from with this. It really feels like a lot of, and we've sort of touched on this with the wild people we just talked about with like the sci-fi robot, like torture device. Um, it really feels like a lot of people take their own emotional internalizations and think that that immediately makes them rational actors, which yeah. is like, there, there's more to it than that. Like... I admit that a lot of the reasons for why I believe in a lot of leftist ideals do come from emotional places because I want to see a fair, just, equitable world because I see injustice and that makes me angry. That's an emotion. So that for me comes from I want to see people taken care of because, you know, on some level, even if I don't know them, I care about them. I wouldn't want to be in that similar position. But I know that at the end of the day, that's an emotional argument. And I find a lot of people, when you try and challenge their beliefs, their immediate reaction is one of like anger or like incredulity of like, how could you possibly argue against my bulletproof logic? It's like, because it's just an emotional response from, vari from a variety of social or cultural pressures that you've internalized, but there is no logical or rational motive behind that. But they think it's like, Oh, but I'm clearly a logical, rational man. And so therefore what I say and believe is therefore rational. It's like, no, you're missing several key steps in that process. Do you kind of agree with that? Or would you say that I'm just way off base? No, I, I agree. I think that, that like, uh, it's weird. It's it's a very, it's a very, it feels like it's new, but it's it can't be. Yeah, no. Because so much of it is is like based in this certain understanding of how knowledge is constructed, that I think follows from, like the the way that Plato argued that there was the world of forms and the real world, that that to me is what I think of. But like if you took it literally that there exists like actually another world where uh, things are as uh, perfect or logical in a way that they can't be in the base material world. 
it's that kind of dualist thinking where like I am not thinking with my mind and body. I am thinking based on like pure reason that to arrive at this conclusion. But like the only reason that they're applying that reason is to solve an emotional problem. Like if their belief is like say for example that uh the free market feeds more people than uh than whatever our socialist alternative would be if they believe that for example just you know i'm not i don't want to put words in anybody's mouth yeah. but just hypothetically yeah uh they would argue that i'm not looking at this from an emotional perspective i'm looking at the numbers i'm looking at the data but the fact that you want people to be fed the fact that you look at the problem of people not being fed and say this is a problem that needs to be solved is an emotional analysis. It just is. Yeah. The reason that you feel that way is because you have empathy for other people. So they're right, and it's like even if they are right, rather that they they're strictly looking at something from a rational perspective. You can't really divorce the two as neatly as I think people would like to believe, and and it comes from this. Uh, this this very stem lordy idea that like there are hard sciences and there are soft sciences and uh the the way to improve things is this uh strictly materialist data driven analysis that you can like if you look at enough spreadsheets you can make the perfect world you know i i took a statistics class in high school and one of the first things our teacher said was um it's really easy to mess with statistics and misrepresent data. So like, yeah, like you can't fully trust. It's good to study and compile information, but it's by no means like, you know, the answer to everything kids. I was like, I yeah. find it interesting that this is one of the first things you're saying in like class two or whatever, like, but, but to, to some people, I think that represents a standard of truth that uh yeah, say like facts don't lie right yeah or facts don't care about your feelings that you know uh but like facts might not lie but you can use facts to lie and you can misrepresent or you can not account for certain other elements that would result in why the data is the way it is um or the data itself could be a lie the yeah. data they could just have collected it wrong or you know, deliberately tampered with it. Like it's, there's a lot. Yeah, like, like what's, what's yeah. the sample size? Did you actually sample from enough variety of different people and sources? Like there's, there is a whole element to it. And I, I don't think that it's not worthwhile, but um, even just on the subject of rationality, what we view as rational is based purely on a very limited understanding of the natural world that is limited by our physical being and function there's been like posts about this of like, no, see these colors don't actually exist. Cause our brain can technically only see three colors it just kind of makes up the rest using a bunch of weird other stuff and making approximations. And this is part of why some people don't see the same color, even though we're both looking at quote unquote, the same color. So, you know, the idea of, you know, rationality of this is this, this is a hundred percent objective truth magicians have messed with this for years there's perspective there's you know how we interpret color differently chemical balances or imbalances in our brains 
this is stuff that we're all actually very familiar with as humans in some capacity, whether we talk about it in the media we consume or we study it in science to try and solve very real diseases like Alzheimer's. But that for me just kind of shows that where we're operating from supposedly as a point of this is just true objective rationality. Well, no, it, it can't be. It's in, it's incredibly limited because of the course of human evolution and us being just physical mortal creatures. So the, I, I can't buy the whole, this is a logical, rational argument. It's like technically nothing's rational, which leads me to my whole, this is why like, um, you know, nothing technically matters. Make your own meaning. We're all in this fun, weird space rock together. Let's try and make the most of it. I don't want people to suffer on the giant, space rock hurling around the giant permanent thermonuclear explosion in the sky. I would like things to be good for all the monkeys on here. Like it's that that's, that's my quote unquote rational outlook of things, which I admit is also irrational to some extent because it's affected by so many different things, chemical balance, you know, my eyes and like, you know, Oh, well it's like, millions of years of evolution. So is, is it, is what I'm seeing the true color or not? Like it's, it, it's all just, it's all a fuck. It's all messed up. Yeah. I truth resists simplicity. I think is the, that's a great way to sum up my lovely little ramble. I should do that more often. So we were talking about AI and then I was doing a sip. I was like, Oh, right. I remembered. Um, there's been a video that I, that lots of people have been sharing recently about, um, they programmed an AI to like write, a video essay and then they just recorded that video essay have you seen this yet i haven't no people have sent it to me i haven't watched it okay it's it it's worth your time lots of people are sharing it it's quite delightful uh just because of how silly it is and it also shows very much the limits of ai as it stands right now um but but it's a good romp um and then the the last question is if you had to pick a rich person to eat first, who would it be? Ooh. I know. Tough question, right? Mm. There's a lot to consider here. Because do I go for the one that I think would taste best or the one that I, I would do the most good by eating? Right? See, this is... Mm. I, okay. So I'm probably thinking about this in, in greater depth than you might have wanted. But uh, uh, no, the, I, uh, I appreciate it. Okay, so I have three contenders, and I think it would it, you know, it would depend on the mood I'm in in the day. Okay. I think t- for the world, Elon Musk, even though I think he would taste disgusting, he looks like a, a fucking eel man. He doesn't look like he tastes good at all. Uh, in terms of who I think would taste the best, uh, uh, Beyonce Knowles. Uh, and I just get I get the impression possibly i don't know hmm see now jeez now i'm thinking about this and the the third the third is jk rowling but that's for vengeance <laughs> oh no now we're look we're, we're anchoring all the different people we're gonna get uh we're gonna get terse from turf island here we're gonna get some conservatives the weird like no robots are totally gonna torture all of us p- folks it's in cancelable here. culture yeah, that's it's yeah. It's the, a the, the, of the cancel culture mob is going to come for this video. Well, then before it gets canceled, thank you so much for setting aside time to talk to me about a whole bunch of different things about the online creator industry and like chatting about film and 
comics and superheroes for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ephemerality of truth. Yeah, we 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 touched on a lot of subjects. Um, I had a good time. I hope you had a good time. Um, but uh, again, just thank you so much for doing this. And again, on relatively short notice, it's been a blast. I look forward to hopefully doing this again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hi, Bother Brigade. Thank you once again for tuning into yet another episode of Progressive Profiles. I hope people learned a lot from Thought Slime. And again, I want to thank Thought Slime for taking time out of the busy schedule to come on to this very new show. I appreciate it very much. And as you saw, we talked about a great many things. Like, honestly, too many things to count. Like, it's great. I loved it. And I hope you all loved it. And if you maybe want to consider supporting Thought Slime, a lot of their socials are going to be right down there in the description down below. And if you like what I do here, hi, I am the Bothered Boy. You can find, of course, me on various other social media platforms. There's also this that I do on the side, this progressive profile series. And there's a Patreon if you feel like supporting me and this project and other stuff we're doing. Which means I once again really want to thank all my patrons who are supporting me over on Patreon. And... It's just helping to allow for stuff like this to happen, which I'm very much thankful for. And speaking of this episode, there are a lot of things that we covered, but I think that weird AI theory is one of the most disturbing things I've ever heard. I think that's definitely what's bothering me today. 